The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you've come to the right place. Today's buzz, Business Networks. You already connect on social networks with people you know, people you want to know, and people you are told you should know. That's a lot of people and a lot of connections. But would your business benefit from being part of a network, too? The experts speak. We're going to hear today from Tim Menahan at Ariba. He says, online social networking tools have transformed our personal lives by connecting us to people and information in new ways. Businesses are undergoing that same process. And here's a question for all of you. How many times did you check your Facebook, LinkedIn, send a tweet, text, Instagram? In the past 30 minutes, I'll change that to 60 seconds. We'll be hearing from Tim in a couple of minutes. Also joining us today is Quentin Fisher from CS. Quentin says, ants aren't smart, ant colonies are. And those of you wondering, it's not a direct quote from Pete Miller in The Genius of the Swarms. It's from Deborah Gordon, a biologist at Stanford University, quoted by Peter Miller from National Geographic. And Quentin says, let's look to biology for insights and a vision to the possibilities in our ever-evolving business ecosystem. We're also joined, rounding out our wonderful panel today, by Samir Patel, a returning guest from SAP. And he says, this is a long quote, but there's a lot of meat on the bones here, so I want you to listen. Reaching people is accounted for. It's called email. In the world of work, connecting doesn't just come from bringing people together. Really, really, really connecting to impact performance and execution come from surrounding real purpose and context, such as a sales forecast data point, a problematic travel expense statement, a curveball customer request, you know what that is, a need for supplier arbitration with your network of people. You need to infuse smart expertise, identification, and social or collaboration at the point where problems and opportunities emerge. This is the expectation of social in the enterprise. That's from Samir's pretzellogic.org blog I quoted from his February 24th edition called Connecting Versus Reaching. So join us for the next hour for Business Networks Beyond Social. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to welcome you today. It's Wednesday, March 27, 2013. This is episode number 78, a little series we started way back in late 2011, and we are alive and going strong. Let me just have a message here for my listeners, and then I'll introduce the guests, and we'll find out what they meant by the 
their provocative quotes. Quotes For my Game Changer listeners, in today's social media business environment, which we're talking about today, it's critical to create a real community within your business partner network. Want to learn more? Get a free thought leadership paper called Creating Community Within Your Business Partner Network. Click any banner on our show page here on the Business Channel or go to spr.ly slash Game-Changers with a capital G and a capital C. It's on us. Compliments. Okay, let me tell you about my guest. We've got a great panel for you today. Joining us is Tim Minahan, Senior Vice President, Network Strategy, and CMO, Chief Marketing Officer for Ariba, an SAP company. Tim is a pioneer in business-to-business collaboration. He's been named three times as one of supply and demand chain executives' industry pros to know, and we're happy to know you. Welcome, Tim Minahan. How are you today? Great, Bonnie. Thanks for being great to be here. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad to be here, too. That makes two of us. And let's turn to my second guest. Quentin Fisher has been with CSC for 16 years. He leads CSC's big data and analytics for North America, focusing on manufacturing industries that includes auto, aero, chemical, and industrial. Under his leadership, CSC has won innovation awards for mobility and HANA deployments in North America and Asia. Welcome, Quentin Fisher. How are you today? Very good, Bonnie. Thanks. Glad to be here. Delighted to have you. And rounding out our panel, return guest to SAP Game Changers Radio is Samir Patel. He's the GM and Global VP for SAP's Enterprise Social Software Business. Samir leads Project Robus, R-O-B-U-S, SAP Next Generation Social Software Products. Samir has been cited in CNBC Business, The New York Times, CIO.com, and Forbes on the promises and pitfalls of collaboration and trends in enterprise and social software. Samir Patel. Patel, welcome back. How are you today? Do we have Samir? Brad, do we still have Samir? We'll hear from him. uh, He's connected. Samir, whatever you're doing, we'll hear from you in just a second. Just blurt out and say hello when you get back with us. Okay, we're going to go in and take a deep dive into the monologue, and I'm going to start with Tim Minahan. Tim, you said online social networking tools have transformed our personal lives by connecting us. We know this to people and information in new ways, but here's the key. Businesses are undergoing that same process. Talk to me, Tim. How are businesses there? Are they all joining Facebook and LinkedIn? Are they on different networks? Talk to me. No, the same tenets that we're seeing in the social world are are rapidly converging in the business world, right? If you think about your social lives, you know, it, major changes in how technology is delivered and accessed and used. We are certainly now more connected and more enabled to share, more enabled to shop and make more informed decisions than we ever could before. And, uh, you know, whether you're thinking about it in the, in the framework of Facebook, right, the power of Facebook and the magic of Facebook is not in its clean interface or news feed feature. It's that it's created the world's largest network of personal connections. And that same type of activity is is coming to the business world when businesses want to extend outside their enterprise, whether it's to tap into knowledge of crowds or whether it's to drive a more efficient process with their existing customers or suppliers, that means they're going to need to tap into uh, some of the same tenants, right, business networks mm-hmm. instead of social networks in right. order to better discover, connect, and collaborate with parties outside of their company. And and that's, that's what we're seeing happening very rapidly uh, today thanks to the convergence of things like cloud and mobile and analytics and, uh, of course, uh, social and business networks or what I like to call collaboration through communities. 
I like that. Tib, a point of history, please. When did the concept of these, I'll call them more pure business networks, happen, separate from our social day-to-day Facebook, LinkedIn, tweeting, Instagram, and all that good stuff? How well, about old the, is this? The, the concept has been around for, for quite a while. You know, the pre-dot-com or dot-bomb era, um, and uh, it has the difference between then and now is that folks at that point in time were about, uh, if you build it, they will come, and uh, today they've come, and they want to do more and more more over these business networks than they ever could before. Okay, thank you. We'll be hearing a lot more from you as we deep dive. I wanted to welcome you, Tim. We tried to get you on several months ago, and I'm glad we finally got you on a panel here on Game Changers Radio. So delighted you're with us. And Quentin Fisher, met you last week and thought, hey, this is a great topic for you. Ants, 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 I try to get rid of them. You're telling me ants aren't smart, ant colonies are. And this is a quote, as I said, from Deborah Gordon, a biologist at Stanford University, quoted in Peter Miller's The Genius of the Swarm. Talk to me. Great quote. What does it mean to us in terms of business networks, Quentin Fisher? Yeah, I think uh, nature biology can be a, be a great vision for us. If you look at ants and, and how they operate, they're, they're really not that intelligent. But, but if you look at a whole ant colony, right, and, and, and they actually become a superorganism, right? So, so they're very competitive and they've been around for, for eons. If you compare that then to business, uh, and networks, what has happened historically is that it's just been the people at the top that were the connection points, right? What we're seeing now with the advent of mobility and big data is that there's a lot more networks and they're connected at a much lower level in the organization, which allows companies to be much more agile and adaptive, right? They can get a lot more senses in, into their decision process and make them faster and better. And as a result of that, I think people really got to rethink the way they're running the organization with these new technologies and, and data points. And, and if they use them in the right way, they can actually outpace their competitors and actually uh, kind of operate within the decision cycle of their customers. Very, very interesting. Okay, we'll talk a lot more about that. By the way, how did you decide to pick that for your quote? I asked you for something provocative, and you sure hit the, hit, hit the nail or hit the ant on the head with that. Are you a fan of Peter Miller's and National Geographic? Just curious. You know, I just, I just like to read, and, and I came across that, uh, and uh, it, it just really inspired me and, and really got me thinking creative, creatively about, you know, how to apply some of these new technologies in the world. And there's a lot of... Um, like I say, you can use nature for a lot of insight mm-hmm. in, into how we can uh, evolve our business systems. Well, I appreciated it because you opened me up to learning more. So thank you for that. And let's turn to Samir Patel. Samir, you're back, I hear. And let's talk um, about your – you're here. Good, good. Uh, pretzelogic.org. First of all, I have to ask you, why did you name your blog that? It's a great name. I love reading your blogs, by the way. Good reading material. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, I think um, if I go back to um, – you know, the beginning when I, when I decided to actually fire up a blog, I had about seven minutes before I fired up and, and got that blog in place, I had no desire to write a blog. There was something I read that really, really, really um, rubbed me the wrong way in terms of, you know, the logic behind it. And in about maybe seven hours, I had a blog up and running. Um, I, well, I had a blog up and running. I'd written it down. And really the, the premise behind that was, um, you know, to go after, you know, what I consider to be Stan Preston logic, and it stuck. Um, here we are. 
Very nice. I like it, and I, I enjoyed reading. I read several. I was looking for a great quote, and I found one, and you and I agreed on this. So talk to me. Your concept for business networks. You say, reaching people, we're already doing it. It's email. Okay, part of our lives, part of our culture, we all do it. But when you talk about business networking, you're talking about now where problems and opportunities merge, emerge, the expectation of social in the enterprise context. Why don't you tell me in your own words, well, we already read your own words, but more of your own words to what does this all mean for the concept of business networks today? So I think it builds. I mean, you know, it's going to be very difficult to debate him on this uh, in, on this call because I think you know he he, he nailed it right. Um, <laughs> right. You know, there's there's a um, there's a fundamental design around social networks, and what I think we forget about before we get into business networks um, is, you know, the reason that social networks have proliferated as well as they have is there are subtle. Uh, points of intent behind what we do on social networks. So if it's Facebook, you know, the, there's a give and take between me and the people I'm connected with. You know, um, I, I take the time to put a photo of my son there. Um, my mother or family who uh, may or may not use it, you know, they know that if they want to see photos of my son, that's about the only place they're going to get it. Um, <laughs> and we have, we, you know, and whether it's Twitter and someone's doing it to build their own brand or whatever, there is intent built into how we use social and I think when you start to look at, um, you know, the concept of business networks, uh, again, uh, you know, I think I'm most excited about sort of what I call the second chapter in collaboration, which I think we're about to embark on, uh, where we are starting, you know, where we're first things first is we're going to stop emulating what happened in the social networks here and say, well, if Facebook has close to a billion users, uh, you know, it should be easy to connect people inside organizations by uh, just doing a copy-paste on Facebook and dumping it in the enterprise. And I think that's flawed um, at many levels. Uh, but fundamentally, back to the post that you were referring to, mm-hmm. yeah, this goes down to understanding what are those dynamics between uh, content that we create in organizations, data, and transactions that we generate, react, rely on, uh, customer, the voice of the customer, what are those nuggets that they require, and then understanding how do we start to bring the power of um, your network, those brains that are hidden inside your organizations, be that mm-hmm. people who build your products, be that deep down into your supply chain, those people who build those very components that make up your product, how are we bringing those brains to bear to really rally around uh, the customer, right? And so it really, it really starts, in my mind, it breaks out into sort of four broad categories. It's how are we leveraging and building these kinds of intent-driven customer networks, talent networks for our employees, how we build a network around data and performance. And then, um, obviously, I think, you know, one of the most untapped areas is entirely by social, which, which shocks me is, um, uh, is, is, you know, uh, by chain, uh, which obviously uh, Tim covered uh, in the way that he described it. So I think this is where the difference between just connecting and having, you know, an address book full of people, having meaning and metadata around who do I connect with when, having a smart system that finds me the right people when I need them at that point, uh, is really what's going to, I think, define the true value of business networks that um, that are going to come over the next. 
Thank you very much, Samir. And that takes us right up to our break. We're right at the cusp here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You want to know about business networks? This is a place to be. I'm talking to three extraordinary game changers today. Tim Minahan from Ariva, Quentin Fisher from CSC, Samir Patel from SAP. When we come back, we'll find out what they're drinking. Is caffeine on the menu? Not for me. Ha ha. And we'll be talking to Tim Minahan and finding out why he says networks are transforming business as dramatically as assembly lines did 150 years ago. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are, and it's time for our coffee break segment, so I'm going to ask my three eminent guests, what are you drinking today? Tim Minahan, what's on the menu in your cup at Ariba today, Tim? Well, Bonnie, uh, what's on my cup is usually what's on my cup every uh, every morning. So uh, it, it comes from the land of uh, Thousand Hills Coffee, a coffee shop right here in, in my hometown in Roswell, Georgia. And what's so interesting about it for me is that, uh, you know, truly being a networked uh person or, or, or business really comes with greater transparency and responsibility, and that's what a Thousand Hills Coffee is all about. Right? They started a coffee company really to, to help develop uh, impoverished folks in, in Rwanda, right? and they help grow and, and train farmers. It helps with the basic needs, food and shelter. So it's a way to, uh, to wake up and at the same time give back. I like that. That's a great coffee story. I appreciate it. And, Tim, you know what I'm going to do after the show is send you a link and ask you to send me a snail mail address, and we're going to send you your own official SAP Game Changers mug. How would you like that? I look forward to it. Talk about transparency. I hear coffee tastes better, and so does everything else. Quentin Fisher, you can have a mug, too. Talk to me. What's in your cup today at CSE? Where are you calling from today, Quentin? Yeah, well, I'm calling from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, in my cup, it actually is a Winnipeg Jets hockey uh, uh, cup, and, and the reason for that is because I'm from Winnipeg, and um, and uh, I'm happy that they're back. Uh, the Jets are back. This is their second season, and and they're at the top of their division. So this is a, a big deal for us, and and 
with the, the network that I have back in, in Winnipeg and, and all the technology, I can catch every Winnipeg Jets game, bar none. So I'm really happy about that and enjoying the, uh, the surge of the Winnipeg Jets this season. Wonderful. And what's in the cup? I know what the cup is, but what's in the cup? What are you drinking? Some, some extra caffeine because I've been up too late watching these games. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, talk about networking. Great answer. And Samir Patel, where are you calling from today? And what are you drinking? I am calling from Palo Alto, California, the SAP offices, the SAP lab offices. Um, I am actually drinking pretty normal everyday coffee, not nearly as exciting as Tim's. Or, but however, I am actually drinking it in my Game Changers cup. <gasps> oh, Samir, ah. I'm so tired. <laughs> You know something? We had a tweet this morning from Emily Jasper, who was a guest on the show about six months ago, and she said she's drinking from her Game Changers Cup, too. Yay! There's a spot on the top left of my table, and that's where it sits. And every morning I come and I get a double espresso at the office. And so I, you know, I, even though we're, I'm on my second show, I guess, uh, you know, just because we haven't talked in three months, I haven't forgotten you guys, which is great. Oh, I'm delighted. I'm glad you have one. And by the way, we have to read what Malcolm is drinking because everybody wants to know. Malcolm is loving his Equator Coffee's Alligator French. Of course you are, Malcolm. It's organic and free trade. And Malcolm adds, Equator is socially responsible. And yes, we are. So now that we found out what everybody's drinking, and you all know they don't allow me to have caffeine on radio show days. So what can I tell you, kids? Okay, let's get into our roundtable. People want to know all of your expertise. Tim and Quentin and some of your expertise about business networks. So I read a quote just before the break, Tim, from something you sent me before the show. And I want to know, uh, this sounds very dramatic to me, and that's a word you use. Networks are transforming business as dramatically as assembly lines did 150 years ago. That's a big deal, Tim Minahan. Talk to me about that juxtaposition. Networks, assembly lines, go. Yeah, I don't even think we've scratched the surface on the potential uh, that business networks hold for business today. If you look at the last 40 years, companies have spent uh, billions of dollars re-engineering their processes, hiring expertise, investing in systems, predominantly to get their internal house in order, to automate their internal processes, to gain better insights and uh, share information across functions across the enterprise. But the reality today is, much of that falls down where it matters most when you're connecting with customers, when you're collaborating with suppliers or settling out with banks and managing your cash flow. Uh, all of that you know, is still largely being managed offline, on paper, or through semi-automated processes. And what business networks do is they eliminate all of those phone calls and papers by connecting companies in a multi-enterprise platform, much in the same way Facebook does in your personal lives or Amazon does when you're shopping, um, to provide a single integration point where all these companies can begin to collaborate, not just on process efficiency or transaction efficiency, but what gets me really excited is the ability to enable new insights and new processes through the knowledge of crowds and through uh, companies already uh, knowing in real time that their transaction has gone through, that their invoice is okay to pay, uh, that their um, uh, their their partners are uh, delivering the goods that they've ordered. So that allows them to make more informed decisions faster than ever before. 
Tim, I have a question before I turn and, and bring Quentin and Samir into this conversation. And gentlemen, feel free, free to jump in. But Tim, my question to you is, when you're talking about sharing, collaborating, and processes, and efficiency, and communicating, networking, it all sounds great. But what happens when you're in a highly competitive industry? Any danger of having secrets shared or processes that you're just innovating with some of your partners exposed to people prying eyes you don't want to see them too soon? Tell me. You know, I think that that's a very, very good question. Security is always top of mind. Just like you would buy, you wouldn't buy anything, uh, any product or any software product without first, uh, you know, vetting that it meets your requirements. Same thing holds true with the business networks you use, right? Uh, You know, just as in in the social world where you have a massive amount of control to uh, you know exposure uh, your personal profile down to uh, only friends that you know or even uh, even tighter than that the same thing holds true in the business world right there are certain you need to ensure that your your business network is secure it has partitioning and security as well as scalability right uptime is critical if you're uh, depending your supply chain or your your customer engagement on a business network, you have to make sure that it is uh, always on and always available and and always securely transporting your orders or information from one point to another. Thank you for clarifying, Tim. I was concerned about that. I want to bring Quentin in here. Quentin, uh, do you want to talk about end-to-end pulling big data together, pulling together the confluence of social mobile cloud? You want to talk to me about connecting the dots and new relationships? You have a lot of thoughts, but I know you like to talk about big data. So how does that confluence or come together with what we're talking about today being business business networks? Quentin? Yeah, great. Thanks. So I think big data is really – going to change the game. Um, It's really the glue to bring a lot of these uh, disparate data points together and and really help, um, you know, process, intelligently process a lot of these data points. If you look at machine to machine, there's a lot of data signals that that are coming in, and it's, you know, the the volume and the variety of of these signals are high, uh, and and you want to be able to respond with the velocity, right? So big data can help process those in an intelligent manner, right? If you look Mm -hmm. at at mobile, it then is taking uh, the results of this analysis, and it's it's giving it to the people that are in the field so that they can adapt and, and react. So what we're finding is now with with this greater um, extension of, of organizations into, um, into their supplier and customer base, even deeper into their organization. They, they are, we're building solutions that allows them to kind of move beyond the, the predictive scenario to something that's truly preventative mm-hmm. or adaptive, right? So they can uh, get these uh, signals in, be able to respond, and either prevent it from a hap- happening or adapt quicker than the competition. I would, I would, if I may, yes, Bonnie, agree, fully agree. I think the first phase of business networks really was about uh, connecting up uh, disparate companies, uh, creating, uh, leveraging automation to drive efficiency. But certainly, the the next phase is is going to be about big data. It's going to be about harvesting the insights both from structured transactions as well as unstructured collaborations to help all parties, buyers, sellers, bankers, everyone, be able to make more informed decisions in real time. Thank you, Tim. Samir, I want to get you in on this. What do you think? 
So I, you know, I agree. I think I would, you know, I would build on that a little and, and say that, you mm-hmm. know, if you just look at a, um, uh, if you look at just the evolution, right, we've, you know, we went, you know, 30 and 40 years ago uh, from the process of, uh, you know, process automation uh, centered really around A, you know, paper to paper digital is more effective and B, as you can start to add repeatability in processes, which a lot of structured transaction systems are excellent at, uh, you can start to remove some of the risk in your business because certain processes just happen to, ha- you know, have to happen in the same way over and over and again. And if you design software to enable that, you can start to take a lot of the subjectivity out of how you complete processes. We've done that. I think as an industry, we've done a really good job of it. Um, but we're now at that critical point where we're starting to, you know, su- you know, remove, uh, move from just trying to understand, uh, you know, what happens process by process, but really starting to dig in and understand what are the, you know, what are the holes um, that a typical, you know, uh, structured process flow can't really support, and what is the impact of that um, on business, right? So. Um, you know, fundamentally, um, if you look at, you know, I think KPMG did a report that showed, you know, 60% of CFOs believe that in spite of the transactional system they have in place that helped them run their business, uh, there's a ton of more efficiency to be had around a lot of the subjectivity that happens even in, even in, even in a process that you would consider to be a very tight lockdown process. Tim brought up some of those examples, right? Day in and day out, there are things like invoices that are not, that need to, you know, there's exceptions that need to be managed and there's, um, there's things that there are processes inside these, these enterprises that are cross-functional or collaborative in nature where people need to come together, make subjective decisions. And I think in many ways, and I can have, you know, give you similar examples on the customer side, obviously, where it's really, you know, I think if you sit to try to, you know, get a potential question a customer can have, and assume that you all ha- always have the answer. I don't think you could ever scale as a business today. You look at all of that and you look at, you know, what the power is around not just analyzing unstructured data, but, of, but creating the same amount of unstructured connectivity via business networks across the organization to deal with these very problems. And I think you start to have a very different functional design around what enterprise software will be over the next 20 years. I think this is where the power of, you know, dealing with unstructured data, bringing people at the point of action and decision will start to not become a nice-to-have or a huge sort of overlay on top of enterprise systems, but it will be one of the, you know, the core design principles in terms of how we work. So, you know, I, um, that's the future I think we're at the cost of. Thank you, Samir. And you know what? You did it again. You brought me right up to the edge of a break here. When we come back, I'm going to ask Samir to kick off the next segment. I have something I want to talk to you about. I want to know what kinds of companies should be interested in everything we're talking about in terms of being part of a connected enterprise through business networking. Is it for startups? Is it for SMEs? Is it for established growth companies? Is it for big behemoth giants? Who should be part of these networks? Who benefits? Who will benefit more from having other other types of businesses join. I have so many questions, and I know Samir, Tim, and Quentin have the answers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you for listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and we're kicking off the second part of our roundtable on business networks beyond social. I'm going to start this segment off with Samir Patel from SAP, who is drinking out of his official SAP Game Changers mug this morning. Samir, tell me a little bit about what is this thing, this entity, this 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 organism called a business network? What does it look like? How do you know which one to join? What size companies should be listening to us and saying, aha, talk to me? So I think you know I think the two different questions, right? So let's deal with the you know what size companies one uh, first. Uh, you know a lot of the, the a lot of the smaller companies, startups, even even the mid-sized companies, uh, you know because they have had the luxury of building out their their technology infrastructure uh, in more recent times. I think a lot of what we're talking about are fairly natural in terms of how they look, how they how they build out their um, their these business networks, right? Examples being uh, when you're building out new products, you know, right from the beginning, you are you are enabling and you are tapping into the crowd of customers or prospects automatically online using some very easy tools that allow you to do this uh, to start getting early feedback in your products using enterprise social networks on the inside from the get-go. Um, so I think, you know, that these companies are sort of predisposed, the newer ones, to, to use these newer ways of work. But I think we're at a point now where, you know, I would argue almost that the, that the need for large distributed organizations is as much, if not more, um, uh, to start to understand how these networks make a, make a difference. Right? So I'll give you, you know, two or three, sort of three different areas to consider that might start folding into your second question. Uh, you know, the first is, is if you look at um, what the social web has done in terms of exposing the true intent of your prospects and customers, uh, you know, before you even know that they're, um, that someone is actually a prospect, that person has gone and been able to tap public social networks, vertical networks that are around topics, even forums that you might run on your own site, and they already know the good, bad, and the ugly about your products before they even call you. So, you know, how are we wired as organizations to move from the old model, which is we used to tell just our sales and marketing and support people who are at the edge to participate, if at all, in these networks, how are we bringing the people who actually build products who could really use that feedback on a day-to-day basis to, to the forefront, right? 
kind of like mm-hmm. that and say what I said before, you know, why are we building artificial walls in some ways and saying, you know, the supply chain and those, and those on the supply chain side and our partners in the supply chain should be hidden from this or the data should be sort of scrubbed or shared with them. Uh, the power of business networks flattens and disintermediates all of the walls that we've created across the state. Now, well-designed networks um, and technology will ensure that the right controls are there for security and policy based on the industry. But there's, you know, there's no reason why we should not be flattening information access across this because most of it is public information. The second is, is you know, internally in terms of organizations and you know how we've innovated and designed our orgs, large organizations. You know, the last 10, 15 years, we've been either offshoring to a partner or to ourselves a lot of the production and the manufacturing. You know, a lot of those those very countries where we've pushed manufacturing and, and outsourcing are now the emerging markets. We, in some ways, we kind of created the proverbial monster, right? You know, we push a lot of businesses there. Those, those, those economies are picking up, and they're becoming huge, huge opportunities for large organizations to tap an emerging growth market. So how are we, as organizations, making sure that we are tapping into the local needs um, of those customers, but federating a lot of our global innovation as organizations? That requires a very, very different design than just putting structured transactional systems in the organization, right? Um, and then the third one is, again, sort of tied to the first one, but, uh, you know, why, why is it that if I'm creating, if I'm in marketing and I'm creating information or uh, materials for a product launch, why is it that I can't tap into the supply chain that's helped me build out those products and have them collaborate with me on what are the right three or four data points I should be talking about to really show the power of these products. These are organizational designs that are, you know, are things that we need to start to, to get to. We're at a point where technology-wise, uh, we have the ability to take these large, disparate organizations that can connect the people who touch our customers the most, the barista at Starbucks, the hourly worker students at a retail store, bring the knowledge that they have because they're touching customers day in and day out, and be able to push that all the way in so that it's informing how we design and build products. This technology exists now. It exists in the way that I described it, which is not just in a silo somewhere. Um, and, and it's connected to those, you know, those very systems that, um, um, and data points and touch points via mobile, for example, that allow you to get this information wherever you need it. So um, small companies doing it, I think. Large companies mm-hmm. really, really need it. They have, um, no, and, 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 um, and the good news is it's here. Good, good. Tim Minahan, I know you have a lot to say about this. Agree, disagree, want to add, subtract, talk to me. Yeah, I would add to what Samir uh, said there. Certainly business networks flatten the organization and they flatten industry. There is something in this for everyone, whether it's large enterprises that are looking for that next wave of productivity, massive efficiency, uh, transaction efficiency gains with, with global suppliers and global customers in all regions of the globe, or, or small and mid-sized enterprises that you know, finally are on the same uh, stage as large enterprises, exposed to new business opportunities with, with globally connected buyers and uh, that are with budget in, in the buying cycle. But I think, well, you know, in addition, regardless of the company size, I, I think as Samir indicated, you know, there is this emergence of, of knowledge networks, knowledge networks for, for all. You know, this concept of an increase in, in, the, in the concept of crowdsourcing with, uh, within the business environment. You know, I was re- recently reading an, uh, an article in the business press around Philips Electronics that you know, is now uh, crowdsourcing uh, 
intellectual property or patents to ensure that its new products are not not violating patents and to protect itself uh, from from patent violations. Uh, Warner Brothers just last week you know, launched a uh, crowdsourcing. Um, a funding event to allow the common man to fund uh, its its next wave of uh, of movies. I mean, this is the type really? of power that networks brings that that wasn't really possible at scale um, uh, in a in an offline or or just enterprise application mode. How interesting that such big name brand names are doing this. I had no idea that crowdsourcing was being used at that high level enterprise level, Tim. Is that this something just is this breaking news or has this been cooking and simmering for a while? What do you think? Yeah, it's certainly been been simmering for a while. The concept of crowdsourcing has been around for a number of years. Uh, as Samir indicated, it provided a platform for um, <clears throat> you know some rapidly uh, growing upstarts to you know begin to uh, whether it's thread lists you know in the uh, in the clothing arena to tap the knowledge of crowds to uh, determine designs and bring them to market with a uh, a built-in uh, consumer base. Uh, but now larger enterprises are using that. Um, to uh, to actually uh, tap into expertise outside their company, right, and be able to get answers to questions that before, um, you know, they uh, would be in the process of trying to hire the smartest people in the world. Uh, I think P&G really set it off a number of years ago when they said, hey, look, 50% of our innovation is going to come from outside the, uh, the enterprise, and we're going to, um, you know, it wasn't called crowdsourcing at the time, but that's exactly what it was. Well, now through, you know, the power of connected networks, um, it is much more a reality for, for businesses in all aspects of, of industry. Very, very interesting. The thing thing I'd add to what Tim said is, again, you know, it's it's also the power of the analytics that come out of all of this, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, there was an interesting thing that yesterday I saw that Yelp online, Yelp now is going to start to help the restaurants on their network start to estimate um, revenue. Uh, what is the, you know, how much can they, based on where they are location-wise, the cost of eating at that restaurant, the feedback that's coming in there, they're going to start to use that data to bring back, you know, help them with forecasting what can they start to see from a revenue standpoint. Obviously, we're early on this, but had that had they not had that crowdsourced network of reviews and feedback, we would not even be able to do something, right? So, Interesting. Yeah. I'm, you know, I have a comment for both of you. And uh, Quentin, I want to bring you in on your theory of constraints before we finish this. We've got three minutes left, so I want to make time for that. But my question is, is there a fine line that blurs between, uh, shall I call it, self-aggrandizement, boasting PR? Look at my restaurant. Wow, we had a surging crowd for Easter Sunday last year. Looking forward to even more moms and dads with Easter uh, Easter lilies in their hands coming to have. And, 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 and then these the Yelp, as you mentioned, Samir, saying, well, let's see if we can help you estimate your your uh, ROI from all of this publicity you're doing and all of the marketing you're doing. So is there a blurring between publicity and boasting? I, I hate that word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Just the point of uh, look at us to, hey, we can really connect and come up with some numbers that are valid, business valid numbers. Samir, is it fluff or is it real? No, I, I think it's starting to get real, and I think you okay. know, uh, I think it's starting to get real, and I think you know where I think we'll see the first level of intersection, and in my opinion, the most promising level of intersection is when you start to take some of these verticalized public social networks like Yelp, like TripAdvisor, like Flyer Talk about airlines, and on and on and on, because there's intent and context built around it. Um, 
uh, and you start to see what kind of data can you mine from that uh, that can actually start to bring some hard numbers like Yelp is trying, uh, you know, I think we will start to see, you know, business insight that will, A, be much, you know, A, it's real time, it's active, it's stuff that just happened that's live. Uh, B, it'll remove a lot of the different intermediaries and brokers uh, that will want to take seven months to sort of synthesize the data and give you a cute PowerPoint um, because you're starting to work off of real data. And then the third is, is with the real-time performance technologies that are coming out in memory computing, et cetera, the ability to really move fast on making sense of this data is also an innovation reality that's here, right? So I think that will, you know, there will always be a place for PR and fluff and, you know, um, um, sort of, uh, you know, the egotistical side of social media, right? right. But I think the lines will start to delineate, uh, or there will be a line drawn now, I think, where we can start to understand what's the value stuff. And again, you know, um, it's natural course of action, right? You know, um, you know I, would, I would add to that as well. Uh, you know, part yes. of the tenets of, of crowdsourcing or the knowledge of crowds is that um, you normalize the fluff because there's yep. so many people commenting and participating, you know, and when yep. you bring in, and I don't want to speak on behalf of Quentin, but when you bring in the concept of big data and you're taking this unstructured um, commentary and uh, wrapping it around very, very structured uh, and factual transactions, uh, that normalization happens even more, and you can get Absolutely. even greater insights. We're already seeing that on, on the Ariba network as um, as uh, companies are using it now to qualify new sources of supply very, very quickly based on both unstructured uh, ratings as well as very yeah. structured uh, relationship data. Yeah, and Thank Jim Quentin here. Um, that's Quentin, yes. where the power of swarms comes in, right? Uh, yes. You get enough people, the noise uh, will, will get canceled out, and, and you'll get good trends, and, and you incorporate that into your messaging. But there's also a lot of uh, uh, kind of dangers out there, too, with a, a lot of bots that will create fake information. So when, mm-hmm. when you're looking at this type of you know open source, freely available information, it, it's important to have you know, people that understand what to look for and what is fake, right, and, and make sure that they're incorporating the right data. And, and this is where you're seeing the rise of a lot of data services in the market to feed these new networks. There's a lot of additional data points, but you've got to be, you know, careful. And it changes frequently, too, as it's evolving so fast. Appreciate great, great points. Well, guess what, guys? We're up against our break. We're actually a little late going in. I want you all three to please pause, take a look, find that crystal ball on your desk next to uh, Samir's coffee mug, and I want you to polish off that crystal ball when we come back after the break. I'm going to ask you, what will business networks look like, feel like, be like, sound like in 2018? I'm looking for five years out. Let's see if the bet makers want to put money on these. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, and I have an exciting announcement coming up right after the break. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. Let's take a look to the future. I've asked my three guests, Tim Minahan, Quentin Fisher, and Samir Patel, to polish off the crystal ball on their desk and tell me what's coming up for business networks in 2018. Let's kick this off with Tim Minahan from Ariba. Tim. Well, I think if we flash forward five years, you know, the, the big trend for business networks is business networks will become invisible, right? They will be just like you don't think about uh, power generation when you want to flick on the light switch or plug in your laptop. The same will hold true for business networks. They will be just an expected part of an extended business process. And, you know, we truly believe that every process that touches the edge of the enterprise can be improved by a business network, whether it's ideation and uh, uh, new product development, all the way through uh, post-product uh, after aftermarket uh, service. That that can all benefit from a business network, and we think this is just the the beginnings of a an extension of what companies have already done within their enterprises. Thank you, Tim. Great, and Quentin Fisher from CSC. What do you think? Thanks. Um, So building on what Tim said, I I think what's going to happen here in the future is that uh, we're not just going to be looking at our organization, but the network is going to extend our organization. And Eli Goldratt really transformed how we view manufacturing with his theory of constraints a couple decades ago and and where you really look at the bottleneck and and really focus in on that bottleneck and and penetrate and, and move to the next bottleneck. Well, what we're going to see uh, in the future here is that that theory of constraints is not just going to be within your organizations, but it's going to be ex- beyond, it's going to be extended to your entire network. And now, with the advent of these new tools, uh, big data and mobile and machine-to-machine signals, right, we're going to be able to actually manage that. And there's going to be products that are developed that are lighter weight that will sit on, on top of various systems and that will help address the, the pain points ac- across your entire network and really try and drive the overall productivity of that group. So, so we see a lot of, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation. I think there's going to be a lot of new uh, business models developed as a result of this. And uh, I think it's just going to be a, a boon to productivity and, and performance. Thank you. Uh, do you have a, a top three predictions? Can you put those into a little package for me for 2018? Well, I, I think that, uh, once again, new, new business models 
will emerge. Mm -hmm. uh, people will really start to engage in a lot of these open source data solutions. They'll start uh, solving problems. We've been able to predict solutions for a long time, but now using different data sets and solving problems from different angles, uh, that, that's going to be a, a big piece of it. There's also going to be an opportunity to really back to extending the network, having, having much more integration throughout the entire uh, organization and, and have a lot more uh, codependence among suppliers. Um, and I think we talked a bit about, you know, intellectual property before. Mm -hmm. I think that this connection uh, is going to be very important, and we will actually see, and we're seeing this now uh, with some uh, economic trends in, in uh, uh, you know, Far Eastern countries, is there's not that protection. And it's that collaboration amongst companies that's so important and so critical, and there's going to be a lot more knowledge sharing. So I think you'll see a lot tighter networks being developed, and, and you'll see that, uh, you know, potentially a lot more coming onshore uh, with more trusted uh, players. Very appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, Samir Patel, what do you see? What's in your crystal ball, Samir? I know it must be very I think, clear I think at this in the point. Next, I think by the next five years, um, I would say that, um, you know, 50% of business transactions, you know, B2B, um, will actually begin on the network as opposed to the shopping cart. So, um, you know, the, the ability for you to be able to tap into highly specialized vertical networks or sub-networks or larger networks that allow you to vet through, you know, the entire uh, um, information chain, right, or the purchasing uh, process that you go through will all be done on the network. Um, and I would say that um, the second one is that, um, you know, trailing that, you know, at least 30%, I believe, of the data that we are um, relying on to make product and market strategy decisions will also be from the analytics that come off these methods. Again, disintermediating a lot of the, you know, the, 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 the current organizational um, uh, sort of designs that we have around making those kinds of decisions. They'll be much more in real time. The network will keep you honest. As you are mm -hmm. finding your plans and deciding what to do as they change, you will have the ability to not change because, again, it doesn't take six months to get the data. And that completely flips the model of um, growth strategies for a lot of industries, if you think about it. Samir, in a, good will, way, in a good way. In a good way. Will, will new companies, we, we have a lot of listeners, I believe, here on the business channel on, on World Talk Radio, a.k.a. Voice America. We have a lot of listeners who are thinking about starting a company or they're in startups just fresh down the start of the runway to hopefully big business and great ROI, great profitability and, and getting their name in lights like some of the companies you and Tim and Quentin have mentioned today. Should they be building in the concept of participating in a business network right from the get go into their business plan, Samir? Without a doubt. I mean, I think, again, this is, you know, what we have to be careful about here, though, is this is not about spraying and praying social all over the place or networks, right? This is about being extremely decisive about where the power of networks can actually make a difference. So to the degree that, you know, you are, um, um, you are starting to build out a network on some of the, some of the tools out there, like user voice, for example, is a great one around just sort of idea generation and understanding where customers are, what they're looking for from the products. Um, I think, you know, is, is a great place to start. Um, I think internally from the get go wiring, 
um, your organization uh, where there is a at least a loose federation or a loose connection between your your distribution partners, your employees, and your and your suppliers from the get go, so that you're designing in a very open model. Again. Don't get me wrong, these tools, the good ones at least have the right controls. You don't have to share everything and be as open as you'd like to. Mm-hmm. But you start to build around a, a ecosystem that is as jointly vested as you are in the success of what you're doing. If you sell more, those suppliers make more money. If you build better products, the partners make more money because they have better products to sell. So the, you know, the, the design is, is pretty, uh, the, the objectives and incentives are aligned. Um, and I would absolutely look at what is the right dose of that that makes sense for the business and the industry um, as, you're, as, you're, as you're designing the culture and the ecosystem. Thank you very much, Samir. You know, we're just about out of time, but I have an important announcement. First of all, next week here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, our topic, Wednesday, April 3rd, we'll be debunking big data myths, the elephant in the room. I know that Quentin Fisher is going to be listening to that one, but the big announcement is next Tuesday, April 2nd, we are debuting a new mini-series under the banner of Coffee Break with Game Changers. The title will be Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Here's the official promo. Calling all CFOs and finance professionals. Your call to action is to help your company achieve financial excellence. But how? Master risk management, cost control, and strategic decision making by implementing game-changing technology advances like mobile, in-memory, and cloud, and more. But where? Listen up. April 2nd starts a 13-week series. Learn from top thought leaders each week on financial excellence with Game Changers, of course, presented by SAP. I'll be your host and moderator, of course. Join us for Financial Excellence Tuesday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, right here on the Business Channel. I am so excited. So we'll be on the air Tuesdays at 9 Pacific and Wednesdays, of course, at 8 Pacific. Does it get any better than that? I want to say a special thank you to my wonderful guest today, very forthcoming. Great information, great energy. Tim Minahan from Ariba. Thank you so much, Tim. Quentin Fisher from CSE. Thank you, Quentin. Lovely to meet you, and thanks for joining us. And Samir Patel, always a pleasure to have you on. And a shout-out to Anka Rebel and Malcolm Kimberlin and Dory Shackleton. Thanks for helping us arrange this. And, of course, Brad and the Business Channel team. My call to action today, well, you know what it is. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.